who is the next top prospect that fantasy baseball players will want on their dynasty league rosters that in addition to some MLB pipeline top 100 reactions on fantasy baseball prospects and more Chris Welsh who is the next top prospect in baseball the t- the number one day I mean Brandon are you trying to get me to say who's the next number one or just like the next big guy that we're not thinking about because it's a loaded question and prospects are so loaded. I mean, because I could tell you, you know, who is the next number one overall prospect? I mean, I think you would look at guys like uh, Noel V. You would look at guys like maybe Corbin Carroll. The closer to it are the Brennan Davis, Riley Greens. But if you dig further and if that's what you're kind of alluding to, you know, the the guys that are lower down on uh, uh, pipeline or anybody's list that you should be looking for. Yeah, I think you, you're kind of picking you're picking up some of what we're we're dropping here uh, when you said uh, Reggie Preciado, Edbert Perez. Those are two guys that they're uh, playing out here in Arizona, where I am uh, in complex level, that have uh, a ton a ton of upside. I think a guy like Luis Matos has the five tools to be out there, and th- and and this is kind of cheating a little bit because I'm not giving you one straight answer because I don't think there is truly one. Um, but we've now injected the the draft class in here. And there's a couple names that are, you know, in there that, you know, Jordan Lawler could, Jordan Lawler ha- feasibly could be the top, you know, next big top prospect in 2023. There's a long ways to go, but there's different levels of it. I mean, if, if, if we're close to it, if we're looking for like 2022, you're still looking at guys like Luciano and Brennan Davis, the next wave will be the Robert Hassels and Noel V. Martes. And then maybe a little bit further down the line, you are going to see the Reggie Preciados, maybe El- Kevin, uh, Kevin Alcantara and Edbert Perez. I fully agree with you. That it is a loaded question and there's not one right answer. And I guess this kind of intersects with what, you know, I would love to pick your brain on today a bit. And that's the recent MLB pipeline top hundred prospects that came out because in my dynasty I'm tr- we're trying to give you know you and I and for everything you do obviously anyone listening knows who Chris Welsh is and you know he's from in this league and in my opinion has the best prospect podcast around Thank and that's you. prospect one and what we're trying to do is you know help listeners in their dynasty leagues and with their prospects so I know that for me in my dynasty leagues when the new baseball America top hundred comes out, when MLB pipeline releases, that's kind of when everyone else realizes, okay, you know, this guy is now a top guy. So Anthony Volpe is someone, you know, who I think MLB pipeline just put him number 15. He was not on their preseason top hundred. Now, you know, the cat's out of the bag on Anthony Volpe. So I think Preciado and Hedbert Perez are two guys who to me, they did not make this again. They're just in rookie ball, but they didn't make this in season top hundred. So I guess that, yeah, I think those are the guys that we should be encouraging dynasty league players to pick up now before kind of everyone else catches on to them. Yeah. That's a pretty astute way to look at it too. Um, I was on, I was on the Rotowire podcast the other day with James Anderson, who's, you know, he's my best online buddy uh, for prospects and just, you know, in real life too. And we spent the first little portion of it talking about kind of the industry and like how long me and him have been doing it and, um, you know, going through the, the motions of all these. And I had told a story that the very, very first episode, it was literally the inception of my show prospect one was that Jonathan Mayo 
had agreed to do a show that didn't exist. It didn't exist yet. I didn't even think I had the name. It just didn't. I, I was doing in this league, but I wasn't doing Prospect One. So it was like, yes, I will come on and I don't have a show. So I had to create it within a couple of days. And the whole crux of it was literally what you were talking about is taking pipeline. And at that time, this is like 2016 or something, you know, explaining that like, hey, listen, everybody in the world pays attention to pipeline and baseball America and stuff, but it's not pointed towards fantasy. And that is kind of a thing that we have to decipher. And I think their list shows that full force with their number one overall prospect being Adley Rutschman, but also they don't update, you know, something that I tried to bring to the industry was constant updating. I update every month. So people get to see the process when you don't see pipeline update for five months. It's, it is super jarring. You're right to see Anthony Volpe go from nothing up to number 15 overall. So you're right. The cat is out of the bag on that. And people are going to be like, holy cow, you know, it's going to actually go crazier. They're going to be like, who is this? Anthony Volpe, what are we talking about? It's number 15 on the list. And now where you could have had a soft buy-in to Volpe where people are like, yeah, you know, this guy is really good, good performances and stuff. Now that they're seeing the big site, Volpe is completely out of the bag. So, you know, as always with Pipeline and, and real lists, like real scouting list, not fantasy, you kind of need to always be looking towards, you know, the, um, the younger international guys that aren't going to give the love, the guys that haven't had crazy numbers put up. And those are guys like Preciado Alcantara. There's some draft guys. Uh, I don't, you can correct me if I, I mean, I'm just scanning through it. I don't think guys like Harry Ford and Benny Montgomery mm -hmm. made it, which you would put in. And, you know, there's a litany of those type of players to look for the next guy. And that, that's something that like I work really hard on is to try. I, I value them and not only like, you know, fantasy, but in future value, because there's a lot of these guys that are high on this list that were, you know, high on my list two years ago. So that's the hope is that you can get ahead of it. So you you said it very well, and it's uh, getting the early advantage, and those are guys like Preciado and, you know, a litany of others. Yeah, and I think there's almost layers then of prospect, you know, whether fandom, you know, dynasty players there. There are, I remember a few years ago, I wasn't, you know, doing my own work in this in the fantasy sense, but I was, you know, very on top of the latest Baseball American MLB pipeline. And then there's almost using that to kind of set a market to make your own list. And you are right that, you know, anyone who has uh, Welsh's, you know, access to his Patreon page and can see his top. What are you up to now? 400 or 500? I, I've or? been doing 500 for like three years. I st when I very <laughs> first started, it was 100, but I've been at my 500 for a long time. But mm -hmm. uh, my, my, my personal list, it's at like a thousand, which is nuts. So, and I would, I'm totally honest about it. Like, am I paying attention to like prospect number 700 all the time? No, it's yeah. you're constantly going through and you're looking who picks on, but I am always just dropping names. And I, I got names that are just, yeah, my I'm my process is a little bit my process is very different, I think, than a lot of people. But one of the things that skews me a little bit is I'm out here in Arizona and I get complex. I get I mean, I get half of baseball here in some capacity year round. So I will sometimes see guys that, you know, spark a little thing and I'll drop them on a list and maybe I'll forget about them for a little bit. Maybe I'll mention them on my show. Maybe I won't. But then they'll just kind of stay there because I wanted to add them. Uh, Indians and Rangers players, sometimes catchers and stuff like that. So the list is ridiculous, but I publish uh, 500 to my Patreon. Yeah. And anyone who might look at that and again, compare that to MLB Pipeline or, you know, might look at your buddy James Anderson's list or Eric Cross's, you know, any of the other 
big prospect names in the fantasy industry. I think, I think actually James had a tweet. He put out his, his top 25, just a little screenshot in a tweet. And wasn't Preciado up in that top 25. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Someone could compare that to, you know, again, like these more national prospect sites and, and be like, what's going on here. So what is like the biggest difference you would say then between, you know, what you're trying to do versus what pipelines trying to do. Yeah. Well, and one thing I would say, James did that. James does a really good job about like, he can create buzz. Like I, I create like a, a, a lower buzz because, you know, I'm honest, it's behind a paywall. I'm completely independent. Nobody, I don't have a, a gig in the industry. So like we have to create our own stuff. And with that, um, with that, you know, we created this Patreon and stuff. So it's behind there, but James has a good he has a good way of making this kind of go nuts. And he did it with Michael Harris in the preseason is where I was trying to go with it is Michael Harris. Like he had thrown up and everyone was like, Holy cow. And, and it created this new type of thing. But back to your question, if I'm looking at, you know, how do I decipher pipeline or, or uh, baseball America, whatever it is list to fantasy. I mean, I think they're decent about it. The things you, here's the, the things you will always see. You will always see catchers high in lists. A, a prime example was um, Eric Longenhagen was working with uh, Paul Spohr at Fancrafts to create like a prospect fantasy type of list. Eric doesn't do that, uh, but Paul was trying to help with it. And Paul made like an initial, I don't remember what it was, 100, 125. And he sent it to, to me and was just asking me some questions. And he sent it to James as well. And we responded with the exact same response to him. We said, too many catchers and then he went ah he's like you're right and that's a that's a very natural like real scouting thing is the ability to stay behind the plate and have an impact bat boost value and you see that in adley rutschman now i would say there's also kind of a catcher renaissance going on but two of the top 10 are catchers so catchers are always going to go higher on lists that i think you need to deal with pitching is always going to go higher as well and something you have to be on the lookout that real scouts like really, really pay attention to is a player's ability to play center field. If they're an outfielder, let's say, and if they move off, that really affects value. So like if a real scout looks at a guy, they could have a great bat and feels like, Oh, well, this guy's probably a corner. They'll get dinged. And then you're going to, that's why you'll start to see some guys falling that, you know, maybe shouldn't have, or, or, you know, maybe you feel like, Whoa, you know, why is this guy down here in this certain spot? And it's because, Oh, maybe they don't think he's a center fielder anymore. Or, you know, Robert Hassel could be an example of that. He's like barely inside the top 50 and the guy's phenomenal. I have him inside the top 20 and there might be a feeling that he comes off of that position. So where they play positionally defense comes into it. Those are some of the things that you try to, you're, you're going to hopefully try to decipher from those lists. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it really is. Sometimes Sometimes there's a clear cut defensive guy and you're just like, this guy doesn't belong here, but sometimes it's not as easy when you pay attention to those lists. Why guys like James, myself, everybody here, you know, is starting to do in the industry, uh, attempting to make the list more fantasy based. Yeah. And I think to me, like the biggest example of what you're talking about with the defense first guys in preseason top hundred list, uh, Christian Pache, you know, was a top 10 guy on you know, any traditional scouting uh site like that but within the fantasy circles you know his bat is much more of a, a long-term project and i think the other thing that these sites do is they they give more uh to floor so if a pitcher you know could profile as like a long-term number three four type they might be more interested in you know giving that guy a top 
hundred spot in the rankings. Whereas, you know, us within the fantasy world are, we're a little more looking for ceiling than they might be. And, and prove it. And you're, you're hundred percent right. And the prove it factor of like, well, this guy hasn't even gotten to the level where we're more gamblers. Fantasy is more gambling. I tend to be a little bit of a mix between like James, like James is a hardcore, like, let's go. He will, he will fly value. I teamed, I'm a little bit more tempered in it, but the amount of time, like I have, I have like Jim Callis on, or I have some of the, uh, I've been bad learned stuff. I have guys from baseball America. And, and when you get these guys on, uh, Noelby Marte is a perfect example in the preseason. I was really poking. Cause I saw him in extended uh, spring training. It was like my first back from the quarantine and he was really tenuous. He showed off his big power. He was watching pitches. It was just, it was kind of odd. And I was, I was talking with guys like uh, Eric Longenhagen and Jim about him. And you can hear the, I, you could hear it coming from real scouts to say like, well, Hey, listen, I can't put, I, was, the idea was like, could he be number one? Is he a top 10 prospect? And all of them kind of laughed about it. They're like, no, no, he hasn't proven anything. So the prove it factor, especially from the younger age is very, very prevalent in these lists not now you could like noelvi proved it like i don't remember where noelvi was in the preseason for pipeline but now he's 11 you know so that's a pretty big move so the prove it factor and it's just a different way of talking about your floor ceiling thing uh is is something you need to read out of these yeah he he actually wasn't even on their preseason top 100 which yeah maybe that's what uh, it was yeah and uh, yeah i do actually do remember you talking about that with callus one time but uh, but that's for fantasy players. That's kind of why I wanted to start with that question of, you know, who's going to be next because Noel, you know, you, depending on how your dynasty league is or how your fantasy baseball league is set up, you know, if it's just waivers, like you could have got him for free and now he's, you know, number yeah. 11 and you could get a haul for him. And, and that's kind of where I think we're headed with the two guys that I've identified are, are were Preciado and Edward Perez, uh, just for anyone, you know, listening who might be catching up on these guys, you know, Reggie Pressanato was, uh, he was in the U Darvish trade with the Cubs and he's a switch hitting shortstop third baseman and Hedbert Perez is an outfielder for the Brewers. They're both so young, like the rookie league. We want these guys to produce in rookie league. Like they basically need to produce in rookie league to get our attention. But I know you've been down there. Have you seen, uh, got real eye test on those two? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, th that was what pushed me on Preciado. The minute I mm. saw him was, uh, I mean, it was like six weeks ago or something like that. And it was because James and I, I text James right after too. I saw Preciado and I was like, Preciado is a dude. Um, he's six foot four. He has like, they listen to like a buck 85, but he's got a build that's going to build muscle. And I comped it to Brennan Davis. He's a leader on that team. He's successful. He's going to, he has raw power. I think he's an absolute stud and I don't think he'll play shortstop. I think he's a third baseman, especially when he builds up and Edbert as well. I sell him. He's thick dude. He's got some of the best power out of here. I mean, the complex level is a complex Dominican summer league. It's a great, starting point for future stars you know i'll throw out one other guy that um did not make their top 100 that i think preseason next year can and i think it's a, it's a very similar path to luis matos is everson artega who is out here who is on no one's radar he's demolishing demolishing baseballs out here and there's some top international prospects that are out here like eric pena and stuff that are just struggling luis garcia or luis rodriguez with the dodgers and everson ortega is tied for the most homers in this league he's a shortstop he's got quick quick hands bat speed he looks like luis matos that's one of those guys in deeper deep leagues that 
you know, he's just not being uh, represented right now. So, I mean, we're talking a lot about Preciado and, and Perez, like Artega is the next one. Uh, he's the next Perez or our, our, um, Preciado that we'll be looking at. So if anyone's ever looking like, where's a good place to start, start there, you know, start complex level, like just research a little bit, check it out, see who the guys are popping just because they're performing does not mean you need to go all in because I, I can promise you that from my experience being here and how the pitch, it's some of the worst pitching you've seen. So you can't just stat watch and do it, but look for trends, you know, and look for people talking about it, look for video. And Everson Ortega is one of those guys. And that's why Chris's uh, prospect one show, which you, you know, can find wherever you listen to podcasts is so valuable because you combine that, you know, statistical analysis with getting those in-person views. And that's where you can, you know, try to get that jump start on Preciado. So that's why to me, it's must listen. But just to put a bow on that, I, that conversation, that idea of getting in early on these guys. Uh, yeah, that's, we're looking in fancy. We're looking for that huge profit potential. You know, if you go to anyone in your leagues right now, you try to trade for Bobby Witt, you're going to pay through the absolute news. And, you know, he's a different example because he came through the draft and everything. But the idea is to try to get a guy who can be top 10 on these Baseball America MLB pipeline list who is free right now. And, you know, that's that could be Hedbert. That could be Preciado. Um, transitioning over to this new update that MLB pipeline just put out, because if you were to look at their top 100 a week ago, they still had Mackenzie Gore number six overall. I know he's been in the news lately and you actually saw him last night, but that's the ex an example of how much of an overhaul they just did to their top hundred. I'm curious, just kind of, if you look at the top 10, you know, expands to top 25, top 50, is there anything right off the bat that just jumps out to you as what could be a, a difference in terms of fantasy rankings versus what they put out? Uh, well, Adley is the, the first, I mean, Adley's really good, but, to me it, for fantasy it's Julio and Bobby as one, a one B like I've like, I loosely say this, but like when Acuna and Vlad were, you know, up or they're in the minors, they were one, a one B like I actually switched them multiple times. Cause I couldn't decide. Ultimately Acuna took the, t the spot because you know, the value of stolen bases with the power. And then now you look at Vlad, so I'm not saying that these guys are those guys. So you have to be careful, but th it's the same same sense to me it's those guys are one a one b so you see the catcher thing come into play big time um grayson rodriguez is a top 10 i mean he's the best pitcher in baseball i think that's kind of become this unanimous thing i don't really i'm not sure if i argue that a ton simply just because i don't know i'm just not like i don't want to have pitching in my top 15 mostly that's a little bit again another catcher francisco alvarez that really stands out to me that uh he's 10 and he's and i mean in no world for fantasy are we going to value Francisco Alvarez over Noel V. Marte, uh, Marte and Brennan Davis. There's mm -hmm. no humanly possible way we would do that. Um, but, and I keep looking. I didn't even realize this. There are five catchers in the top 25 of their list. So it, it's just it is um, it's completely making my point in this whole process, but I think it's, it's the pitching and the catching that stands out. Catching is way high. Some of the pitchers as well. Reed Detmers is a top 25. Shane Boz is a top 20. Uh, it's just the overvaluation of real stuff. Um, I'm not sure if the names are super crazy. I mean, the craziest thing in the top 25 is still seeing Volpe in there. Uh, Vol Volpe mm -hmm. just stands out like a sore thumb, not in like in a bad way, but it just, it's like, that's the craziest one where I wouldn't tie like, you know, the, 
the, oh, here's the catchers, here's the pitchers, here's what real scouts are doing. Volpe is the one that just massively, massively stands out as a as a really big jump. And um, you know, they they're committed. They're committed to be in. Yeah, I think when I first saw this list, I think it came Wednesday night, Tuesday night, one of the nights this week, they kind of I just saw Sam Dykstra just dropped it on Twitter. He said it's live, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I, I kind of looked at it. The first two things that made my jaw drop. One was Anthony Volpe at 15. The other was Marcelo Meyer, Marcelo Mayer at number nine overall. I love Mayer. I'm not surprised that they think highly of him as everyone does as well. But I just offer a prep hitter just coming out of the draft, you know, doesn't really have much of a minor league at all track record yet. Number nine just felt high. I think that might be some of their past stuff that's coming into play though, too, is they were low on Abrams and wit. I think not, I, I, I use quotes low, but I think like the past of where they had placed some of these guys may play a little bit of a role because like I'm, pr- if I'm, if I'm remember, I could be remembering this incorrectly. I do not think that Bobby Witt was a top 15 prospect when they dropped him on the list. And Jordan Lawler and Marcelo Mayer are both top 15 prospects. So I don't think they have a better opinion of those guys than Bobby Witt. Obviously, the classes are a little bit different, but I would tell you the top 10 this year in fantasy the gap between all of them, it's not as big as it's ever been before. There's been huge gaps. There are, it is a studly top 10 of high upside guys, especially for fantasy from Brennan Davis to Riley Green up to the very top. So I wouldn't, I, I like, even if the classes were a little bit less, you know, a year or two ago, they weren't as aggressive on Bobby. So I think that's what that maybe has to do with a little bit like getting in and, um, you know, prep bats are valued so high as well. Like this are real scouting things like the value Mm -hmm. teams have on an 18 year old developmental, um, you know, five tools with plus defense type of situation is really, really exciting for real teams and real scouts. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, but I, I kind of assume it has to do a little bit with the past. That makes sense. I think one guy who kind of sticks out a bit like a sore thumb, who's kind of the inverse of what, you know, they usually do in terms of, you know, wanting to see professional success, even in the lower levels of the minors is Jason Dominguez, who comes in at number 17. And I've felt personally that the hype on him, you know, hasn't been that high. I thought once he finally got into games this summer, that if he hit the ground running, you know, if he hit, you know, 300, 330 with, you know, a lot of homers and wasn't striking out like, he, the value is going to go through the roof. It was going to get insane. That hasn't really happened. They still have him at number 17 overall though. Yeah. I think that's, um, I'm not sure if I'm surprised. I mean, here's the thing, aggressive assignments, like people aren't thinking it's aggressive, but remember we missed a year last year. So he came stateside, played rookie ball and then went up a level. I mean, that's like, that's a pretty big deal for a guy who prior to this year had zero states. Like it's similar to what Noel V. Marte. I keep telling people you forget Noel V. Marte's first state side at bat came at low a like professional state side at bat came this year at low a, even though he's been around same thing with Jason Dominguez. So, you know, the town, ta- like from an upside perspective, it's still through the roof, you know, massive, massive power. He still makes good decisions. He can run, but I agree. I, I said, I don't, I don't even remember where I was now. Oh, I was on uh, uh tool shed with Eric cross and Chris Clegg, where I started to question Jason Dominguez's 
full upside a little bit, but I'm not willing to make big moves. I don't care if he's hitting 238 right now. He's 18 years old. He's moved two levels, first time stateside. This is what development is about. If anything, we might be getting into an era of buy Jason Dominguez. You know, it's not a sell time for him right now. This is a buy time because people are going to see a, a low 250s. And I think you're going to see him drop a little bit in list, just leveling out. But the the upside has not changed. Uh, it will change after, you know, maybe mid next year, if he's still not running, he's striking out a lot and he's not finding his way, then I think we're going to start coming off. But you just, you just can't read too, too much into this year with him. But to your point, he didn't come out banging. If he would have come out, you know, hitting three, if he would have done what Marte is doing, I legit think he would be up there with Bobby Witten, uh, Julio Rodriguez mm -hmm. now based on the, the upside tools that's where he would be. He would be like, it would be 1A, 1B, 1C. I have actually little mm -hmm. doubt in my mind if he were putting up 12 uh, numbers, that would be the case. It's funny even seeing Volpe pass him as the, the top prospect for them in the organization. That's a great um, point. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point that they yeah. moved uh, Volpe to the number one Yankees prospect. Pivoting to pitching here for a sec. And, you know, we have, you know, discussed the idea that Pipeline, Baseball America, they're going to have in the overall top 100 starting pitchers higher than fantasy managers should value them. But if we're just focusing on the pitchers here for a second, ignoring the other positions, is there anything that jumps out to you from this list that, oh, wow, that guy's really high or that guy's really low? Because I still think Grayson has become kind of the consensus number one pitcher in the minor leagues. But yeah. after him, there's still this idea of, you know, there, there could be 10 guys who you could have at number two. Yeah. I've been pretty uh, vocal about like, regardless of th this was more when like Logan Gilbert and Alec Manoa were still out there that there was just this kind of clump of like 11 guys that are in the same general vicinity. And maybe, maybe there's some tears involved in there, but there wasn't like one outstanding, I guess like I'm fine with Grayson. I think he is performance wise. He's just an everything, right? It's no doubt, but a couple things I love because I am almost in this camp. I love that Jack Leiter was their number two pitching prospect. And I'm kind of in that camp as well. I'm, I'm all in um, from a fantasy perspective on him and I got him higher than most, but I think the the surprises came at the next group of guys where Shane Boz was number three and Reed Detmers was number four. And like Boz has made amazing changes, but I saw him at his worst in the fall league where he was erratic. He really has come back through, but I like, I respect Eric Longenhagen a lot. I actually literally just saw him last night and we were talking for a bit of, uh, in the McKinsey Gore start. And uh, I love to talk with him. And I think he's one of the smartest just minds of breaking down prospects. And he is not sold on Shane Boz. He just still doesn't believe he still thinks there's relief risk in there and he's just not buying the full change. So it's interesting that you that that might be like a really massive difference in the scouting community if Pipeline says Boz is the number three overall pitcher in uh, in the minor leagues compared to what we feel. So that stands out. And then like the inverse of that is to see a guy like Cade Cavalli, who has been one of the most dominant, especially for fantasy, one of the most dominant strikeout guys in the minor leagues. He's been one A one B with Grayson. For him to be behind guys. Those guys I just mentioned, Lodolo, Meyer, Kirby, Hancock, that kind of stands out. Even Edward Cabrera, who's missed so much time this year. Cavalli's under all those guys that like I would actually I, I need to have Jim on the show. I'd be curious at like how Boz gets the pass up 
and Cavalli comes out absolutely dominating on every respect, why he's so much lower. Like what's the gap between Boz and Cavalli that I think a lot of other places would have it flip. So yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. It, it beckons a lot of questions. My guess, not to just go on a Cavalli tangent, but my guess would have to be since he got to double A, the walks have been pretty out of control and Boz has kind of gone like the inverse. He's starting to get his control a little bit more <laughs> under control. So that's my guess for it. But. You know, it makes and and like I get I get why Boz is up because he it, statistically he has done so well. And you're right, Cavalli has been like, and that's a big thing. That's a big thing I have with like how I rate these guys is how they move through levels. That may have evened him out. But I guess what I'm getting at is like that there's such a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I it must be that they are so convinced that these changes that and, and to be fair, Boz was like crazy and consistent in walking. And it he was the type of guy where you're like, boy, if he gets this together, he could be one of the top guys. And he did. It's just some of the scouting community are still not sold. And Cavalli didn't get really the big, big boost. Mm-hmm. I think something important, you know, with all pitching prospects is to remember again, like if you look at, you know, this preseason list or most places, you know, there's Mackenzie Gore or dating back to like a year ago, roughly Mackenzie Gore, Nate Pearson, Sixto Sanchez. A lot of those guys have, you know, tumbled in rankings for a variety of reasons. Gore was in the news last night. To me, it was sudden. All of a sudden he's pitching in an ACL game. Did you know that that was coming or did you just happen to be in the right place, right time? Uh, I mean, I knew. Yeah, I mean, I I think I uh, hopefully I helped the news a little bit because I was there for the entire start. So I saw around four o'clock my time. The game started at six. I saw at four o'clock my time that McKenzie Gore was added to the roster. And then the news and then the news popped that he was added to the roster. And typically when a prospect like that gets added, a pitcher specifically, that means they're pitching that day. It's happened multiple times here. I've seen it, uh, Ronald Bolanos with the Royals. So that tipped me off. So I looked at the schedule and I live in Surprise, Arizona and he was, and that game was being played in Surprise. So I said, oh man, I, I might have to take this risk. It's like a hundred something degrees out. And then I happened to look, the Mariners are playing the Rangers at Surprise and Harry Ford, the number one prospect for the uh, Mariners was added. And I was like, well, I'm going now I'm going. And I, uh, so I did, that was as much as I had. I had about a two hour notice. I had, I got down there around five. Um, no one was in the stadium an hour before they got there late. So I went over to the Mariners side. I started with, uh, Harry Ford, Edwin Arroyo, um, making their debut. And I, and I literally cut through the stadium and I ran in and I got there right as Mackenzie Gore was about to come out and got to catch the start. And it was, uh, it was, I'm going to talk about it on prospect one kind of a lot more in depth, but um, that's sometimes how it works out here is you, you, you have like out some of these guys know way ahead of time that are really involved. Like Eric was here, he knew. Uh, but sometimes for me, it's like getting a text or, you know, reading into something like that. And it's like, I got, you know, I got 45 minutes to react and I get it happened multiple. It actually reminds me it happened. The same thing happened when Hunter green made his debut with the reds. I used to live in Goodyear. So it was right next to their stadium and it was midday during the summer. And I got a, it was literally an hour notice and I ran out there in the hot and the heat and I, um, and I got to see his debut. So that's, that's sometimes how I react to it. And it, I was just luck. It was lucky that it was here. Cause I wouldn't have gone down to Scottsdale or something to, uh, to, to get to see him. 
I think that's one of the coolest things to to be living in kind of, you know, like some t- what Arizona, you know, could be considered like the hotbed of, you know, prospects, especially those lower levels. But then when you add in the fall league and everything like that, to me, I live in Boston in like right in the city. So there's not like outside of Fenway, there's not like a ton of. Yeah. A couple minor leaguers. Parks. Well, yeah. and Florida's tougher too, because Florida I think is a lot more spread out. Like yeah. you can get to every stadium in Arizona under an hour. So I could be at the farthest point of surprise in Goodyear. And I could go all the way to Mesa to get to the A's or the or Tempe to get the angels. Like, and I've done that before I I've pulled the tours where I'll start at one game halfway through, I'll leave to get the second half of another. And you just travel around the city and it's, uh, and it's not easy, but and it's not fun. It's not fun when I also had to circle around half the stadium, um, yesterday, uh, in a hundred and whatever degree weather it was to get over to the Mariners side. And actually I went around the stadium hot. And then when I came back over, I just was like, I'm cutting through, you know, there's all these signs and stuff. And I was just like talking to security guard. I'm like, I'm going to come through here. Cause I'm not going to go around because you know, I could lose some weight, but not today. <laughs> yeah and again uh just to plug it one last time as we do wrap up here that is why uh chris's prospect one show is just so valuable because you know he you are getting those live looks and uh i think that for these young young guys these 18 19 year olds especially the ones you know who have the international backgrounds like that is extremely valuable to get in early chris i really want to thank you for coming on and just having this you know mini conversation about you know Sometimes, sometimes I think we get so enamored in our, you know, own individual analysis of players that we lose sight of, you know, what people actually listening or how they're playing and how we can help them in their league. So I appreciate you having this conversation. with Oh, me. I'm glad to have done it and glad to do it anytime. We didn't even get to everything uh, you wanted to get on the list. So I feel bad because I get, uh, I get mouthy with stuff. So, you know, ask me and I'd love to come back, but yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and, and the last thing I would say too, is like, not everything is one for one. You know, I sat here and I was like, Oh, I don't want pitching and blah, blah, blah. If you play in a points league, completely different, completely different feeling. Uh, you know, everything changes deeper dynasty leagues. Pitching is more valuable. So that also changes. So nothing is truly one for one. And as you can tell, because I can be a little long winded, these things are worth conversation. It's not that that's sometimes why I kind of zone out with blurby tweets, you know, everybody tweet and it's okay. Cause it's good. It's good to see information, but Tweets have one story, but sometimes it's good to have the conversation. I, I, you know, people push me, I push James, I push people, I'm, you know, Eric, whoever I have, like we, we have conversation. We do debates about it because nothing is one for one. And sometimes going through the process, we can find ourselves being like, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe I do value this a little bit different and we can get people to uh, be like, oh yeah, this guy isn't the, you know, the greatest thing ever. Maybe we need to hold back and have some cautiousness because as soon as we start to say, hey, this guy is this rank because we love this guy people will take it very literal and they'll be like, Oh my God, this means I trade this guy to get that guy. And it's like, well, everything is circumstantial. So hopefully there's enough good people out there um, that are like listening to this show and you, and hopefully they check out me that we can help them through that. So I appreciate you having me and uh, anytime, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Again, I appreciate it. 